In a make-believe world as vast as Hollywood can offer, there are movies that stood the test of time to us and to us alone. These films may or may not resemble the critically acclaimed classics that have acquired accolades at glittering star-studded award ceremonies, but have won their way into our hearts. These movies are not iconic, but myconic. Our movies this month depict fruit-based assault from a transvestite divorcee, as well as a rock-hard dictator modeling his finest pair of ruby slippers. We watch Mrs. Doubtfire and Return to Oz. Right, let's begin. Let's crack on. We have a lot to get through. We do. Two monumental films this week, dare I say. Hmm. Uh, in the form of Mrs. Doubtfire and Return to Oz. So um, Return to Oz was your your suggestion? It was my suggestion. Yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire was mine. Um, so which one would you like to do first? Let's go with Mrs. Doubtfire. Let's go with your, your choice first Mrs. this week. Doubtfire. Okay. Right. Well... Um, I will read as the blurb for those unfamiliar with uh, this 1993 family comedy classic. They're both quite family oriented, oriented films, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Okay, so after Daniel Hillard, an unemployed actor played by Robin Williams, loses custody of his three children to his ex-wife, he realises that seeing his kids once a week just isn't enough. So the crafty thespian dresses, dresses as Mrs Doubtfire, an elderly British nanny with a sharp tongue and an endearing way with children, in order to be close to his kids in this bright, heartwarming comedy. Mm. So was your heart warmed? Okay, ultimately, yes, but it there was a lot of trauma on the way. Oh, gosh, I did, I did think this. I made note of this, and it's something that I hope, hopefully, we're going to bring out <laughs> to this. <laughs> we're going to take all of you, especially you, David, on a journey with this yes. one, I think, aren't we? Mm. Um, so uh, the reason I suggested this one, it's certainly 93. I would have been, what, nine years old when this came out. Mm -hmm. So the first time I saw this, um, the movie itself, I believe, when it came out was a 12. And yet I went to the cinema to see this with my <clears throat> family. And there's a okay. story that goes with this. So we went to see it at the, the UCI cinema in Tamworth. Right. Which was one of the nearest cinemas to where we lived. Mm -hmm. And um, we went there and there was there was a bit of, of a question, a bit of aggro on the ticket office as to my age. So oh. we go to the front, my mum buys the tickets and the smart teenager behind the flipping ticket booth says, and uh, is he actually 12 years old? And I'm like... Oh man, what's going to happen here? Am I not going to be able to go in getting all excited? I've already spied up the pick and mix and whatever you know, <laughs> at the cinema. And um, and my mum says, and this is before the age of the 12A. This is interesting. She says, mm. no, he's not 12, but we're okay with him saying this because 
in my mum's head, this is a mad reason why she wanted me to see this. It was a book. Um, an oh, was it? Yeah, it was an Anne Fine book um, that we were actually reading in primary school at oh, the time. Right. And my mum was like, I want you to see this movie. One, because she was obviously into Robin Williams. She thought he was hilarious and she wanted to go watch it herself. Was, she, well, she she's right. She's right. Um, and she's like, I want you to realise that not every family is like ours. There's, there oh. are divorced, separate families that live as separate entities mm. and that you can see this depicted on screen, even though you are personally friends <laughs> with, with David. And instead of talking to him, just about come and his look through our window <laughs> and see, <laughs> like a kind of a, a real life Big Brother experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So instead of talking to you about what it's yeah. actually like, she thought I'll take him to watch Robin Williams dressed as a British nanny, <laughs> pretending to be a woman, infiltrating his <laughs> his ex wife and family's home. Yeah. Um, in order to see his children because that's a normal scenario yeah exactly yeah (laughs) so that was my first experience of seeing it and uh, it was something that my mum wanted me to experience Um, right but how about you and uh, and it was it was fine was it that her her talking to the teenager on the ticket yeah checking the tickets just smooth 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 it over regardless of like the legalities it was just kind of like no problem like okay. a Jedi mind trick, you're through Mom and you're knows in. best, yeah. In Fair enough. In Fair enough. So I, yeah, so I'd have been around the same age, about 10. I don't think I went to see it at the cinema. Hmm. I'm I'm thinking, now we used to have, okay, so growing up in a Mormon household, Monday night is family home evening. It was totally a family night thing that we went to the yeah. cinema to see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but because... Because I live in a parent in a single parent household, grew up in a single parent household mm. from the age of six, seven, and my mom to to her, all her best efforts trying to do it the right way with like you know some kind of spiritual lesson attached to family home evening, yeah. which is the prescribed way. Yeah, she knew that wasn't going to wash, <laughs> so it was it was. Movie night, movie as night, it was, yeah. it was down to Video World in yeah. in the centre of town, opposite Wilco's, and it was get a, get a, a, a VHS, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure Mrs Doubtfire would have been watched on movie night Monday night, yeah, soon after it came out on on VHS because it was it was a well known film. This is and and it's fam, family centred, yeah. However. I never really picked up on just how bonkers the premise <laughs> really is. And yeah. now as a as as a divorced man, okay. um, I really appreciate how messed up Robin Williams thinking is to infiltrate his family covertly without their consent in such a way. <laughs> That really is like next level uh, bonkers, and and the judge, you know, skipping right to the end, when the judge, mm. when it's discovered what's been going on, 
and the judge basically says, yeah, you need to have supervised visits for like yeah. an hour a week. And counselling. And counselling. <laughs> He's absolutely right. He gets that off, is the right... He gets off lightly. Let's face yeah. it. Like, you should be going to prison. Yeah, you should be going to prison <laughs> in a flipping... Well, you should be locked away in a psychiatric ward. Yes, and, uh, yes for, for psychiatric assessment. And once you're deemed, yeah, rehabilitated, then... Then we'll have when then we'll think about some supervised visits. Yeah, but it's it, it's mad. It's it's really mad. But it does make for quite a funny film if you try not to think about the ramifications of what is actually happening on screen. <laughs> yeah, the severity of what's actually yes. occurring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, so in you, you talked about obviously giving your own personal experience mm. of divorce and the lengths. Did you could you sympathize at least with his 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 desire to they're almost good okay. desires aren't they yes in a sense. he wants well the, but this is the thing is is there's a couple of there's a couple of plot holes i think along along the way so okay so i'm talking from a from a divorced man mm. well you know i'm no longer i am a divorced man remarried. but i'm remarried. remarried um but having gone through a divorce i mean f- first of all I don't really understand why his his separate is the wife from which he separates why she is so reluctant for him to have to look after the kids mm. and so they go they go to court and they have kind of a custody hearing and it's deemed that he can only see his kids for a couple of hours every once every other week. weekend no, once, once is it, every it's weekend, once a week yeah. okay but it's only like a, a couple of hours it's not even like yeah. a full day because he hasn't he hasn't got a job and he hasn't got a a home mm. suitable so okay fair enough but i don't really understand why she is so reluctant for him to look after the kids after school because that's yeah. the whole point of why the nanny's then needed and why he um why he infiltrates the house mm-hmm. um so obviously, I never had to go through custody battles. That was something that that we worked out. So I ne- I yeah. was never really prevented from seeing the kids. Yeah. But I can imagine if that were the case, yeah, it could probably lead people to climb up on Buckingham Palace and do stuff like that. Fathers for Justice, you know, <laughs> Batman on on yeah. trying to gain entry to the Queen's mm. boudoir or whatever oh, yes. that, that guy did. So yeah, I it, it would it sends you bonkers. Yeah, I can totally see why that why he, he did what he did. So yeah. I, I do I from from somebody who's been through that, I can sympathize and empathize with his plight. Would um, you go as far as to don a silicon bodysuit with belly boobs and all that that is representative of a no well, woman? No, no, that is that's way too extreme, even for the the most um, disturbed individual. I think what you would you'd more likely kidnap your kids and run off with them. I think yeah, that would be more appropriate. More, that's more legit, isn't it? That's heard <laughs> yeah. of as a as a legit outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, but I th- and again, it's I understand it makes for a good story. Now I'm interested. So if you if this is based on a book, how true to the book? Do you, can you remember the book? Is it true oh, to the book? Uh, yeah, 
I do not remember a thing about the book. Okay, if I'm honest. I th- I th- I can't imagine that it would be, but maybe maybe because it's a book, like it doesn't have the same impact of seeing it oh, on screen, especially in, in someone reality. like Robin Williams playing out that character of Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire. And yeah. from what I recall, or at least I don't recall in the book, how they describe that transformation. Because in the film, it's quite graphic, isn't it? Like they literally, mm. they, they forge this rubber mask. Yeah. He's got the bodysuit that he zips up yeah. and wears under his old lady clothes. Yeah. That's quite an extreme way of portraying it in terms of making him look as much as they can, like an old Like somebody lady. else. Yeah, yeah, like so many, so many else. Always. One of the things that made me chuckle was he goes to his brother, who mm. hap- happens to be a makeup artist in Hollywood yes. as well, yeah. and mm-hmm. his his partner who he lives with. And um, so they're going through this process of trying to discern or determine what Mrs. Doubtfire looks like. Yes. But each iteration of Mrs. Doubtfire, as they go through it with him, it's funny because it gives Robin Williams a little bit of a chance to yes. to play up Show to the skills. camera yeah. and to yeah. play out different characters. But it's just like each time you cut back to him after he's been made up, it just looks like another dodgy version of Robin Williams in really yeah. bad drag. Yeah, <laughs> like with, none, none of it's going to pass. Yeah, it's like just proper, like a nose and a wig. And a wig yeah. and some really bad contoured makeup. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's never going to pass. And his voices. One other thing I picked up on there, though, as well, is how, why, when he ultimately turns into Mrs. Doubtfire, did they get him to put some false teeth in, which are essentially the same <laughs> as his teeth underneath? Like, he gets these false teeth out of the drawer of all these props and eyeballs and false teeth, and he puts them in. And it's just like the exact same teeth slotted over the top like veneers, but they didn't need to be a veneer because they were exactly the same underneath. It's like, hang on. But what it does do is it is it paves the way for a funny joke later on where yes, they fall out into fall. his glass. Yeah. He can yeah. play the old lady card. Oh my false yeah. teeth. And yes. and then again he yeah, he can he he can make us laugh with his pretending to talk with with no teeth with no in teeth. his mouth. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. What uh, one of Wait, the Wait, can I well can I just say what was his brother and his partner thinking going along with this charade they sh- they should have <laughs> they, they, they enabled that, it they? They yeah they should it. have said this is this is crazy you will you will go to prison this is not healthy yeah, i'm talking or, you out of this yes they should have they should have absolutely this is going to end badly not that i'm blaming them but they should have they should they, they shouldn't have helped i don't think they enabled it mm. so the brother uh, mm. this is a bit early but this is the brother is this month's Hollywood working class hero. So I, I don't recall him being in anything else. You see, this is interesting because I thought that I'm like, okay, so Independence Day, this is, anyway. <gasps> his is he brother, in Independence Day? He's in Independence Day. Who is he in Independence Day? He works at the place with Jeff Goldblum. And he ends up, he stays there, doesn't he? Everyone else leaves the city and he just stays in the oh, office under his desk. Oh, yes. So his name uh, is Harvey Firestein. 
Oof, that's oh, close, isn't it? It is very close. That's <laughs> what I thought. I thought, mate, you've dodged a bullet there. Harvey Firestein. So in Independence Day, he does a lot of voices as well. Mm. So I looked up, I did a little bit of research because I'm like, yeah, of a certain time in the 90s, he would have been in a lot of a lot of stuff mm. that was out there. So in Mulan, he was in Mulan as a voice. Oh, okay. Toy Story 2. He was in Toy Story 2. I wish I'd made a note of which voice he was. I looked him up and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course he is. And then I can't remember which one it was. Okay. Um, he is also, this is the impressive thing about his his resume, if you like, is a Tony Award winner. He's done a lot of theatre. Really? And oh, he is right, a okay. Tony Award winner. But it would seem in Hollywood... Harvey Firestein is very much typecast as the flamboyant queen of any mm. given movie that they put him in. We yeah. need some comic relief from an overly camp, flamboyant man. Yeah. Get Harvey Firestein on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of, lot of scope for, for that kind of role, is it? And it, it was a very 90s role, I think. I mean, have we... Has he been in much since the 90s no no i don't think so this is it so his a lot of his work was early to mid 90s i think that's probably when he transitioned over to doing a lot more theater work yeah right and really when 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 the films dried up yeah when the need for the flamboyant queen just wasn't Mm. there anymore so harvey got a role with the times we salute you harvey yes um one thing I did know, I always seem to have a confession every time I watch these films. Confession mm, to me. It's my favourite bit. Probably more so. More so <laughs> now. Not so much at the time as a kid. Maybe now that I'm older and my, my tastes have matured. Mm. I don't know if you can see where this is going. Um, tastes have matured. matured. I think I've, watching this, I think I've got a little bit of a thing for Sally Field in this really yeah and i don't know if it's necessarily i mean sally field's a beautiful woman yes she's a beautiful woman in this film she's established as a middle-aged i'm i'm for almost 40 she's a middle-aged professional very successful successful, yeah power woman independent powerful woman yeah maybe it was like the jackets with the shoulder pads (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was it that very mom hair of the 90s it was the 90s mummy hairdo maybe i've got mummy issues it was a maybe bit, it was like oh i don't just see a powerful strong beautiful woman i see someone who can who can comfort me and be <laughs> <laughs> and be that that person in my life thankfully i'm a married man and i have all those things yes but if i wasn't married and i was around in 93 as a middle-aged man and Sally Field rocked up in a flipping two-piece pinstripe with shoulder pads. Yeah, I'd have been there. It'd be it'd be you versus Pierce Brosnan and Pierce, trying to gain her attention. Pierce, Bro- <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, um, Pierce Brosnan. <clears throat> How much of a sleaze is oh, Pierce he's Brosnan in this? Awful. Movie? He's awful. But to give him to give him all benefit of the doubt, because he has that when when they're at the swimming pool. And that bloke is kind of like, who's the? Does he say something like, "Who's the Sprogs?" Or sort so he Rugrats. makes rent. Who's Rugrats? Rugrats, yeah. Uh, and 
He could, he could, you know, it's lads, lads, lads. He could, could have like, oh, easily gone, yeah, um, I don't know, yeah, like they, they're whatever. They come, they come with, with, with the woman that I, I really fancy, and but yeah. he doesn't. He, he, he's like, nah, they're they're great kids, and mm. you know, I say so. Fair play to him. He is a bit of a sleazeball, but he's not a terrible. He's not a terrible person. He's not a he's predator. He's all right. He's not a predator. No, no, he's not a predator, but he is. Is slimy and sleazy and just yeah. a bit kind of too slick for my liking. It's the when he comes in at the start when he's he's aware mm. of her professional capabilities. Yes, and then he homes in on his opening. I'm the millionaire who's opening a new hotel, and she's yeah. in interiors, isn't she? So he's like, yes. oh, I want you to do all the interior design, furnishings, all of that. And then he comes in for a meeting. And he just like start cracking straight onto her. I followed, oh, your, yeah. I followed your career all these years. Yeah, it's weird. And it's just like, mate, she's trying to be professional and talk to you about what you actually said you were going to talk to her about. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I can't. He says, he says something like, I've been thinking about you all this time and all this. And it's like, for all he knows as well, she's still happy. She's still married. married. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just going, he comes bowling straight in. And then the minute she says, oh, I'm going through a divorce at the minute. Like, I, I just need a bit of space and time. He's like, well, I've got to be at the bank. I've got to make <laughs> I'm, I'm away. All right. We'll, we'll pick this up another time then. Yeah. All yeah, right. I'll yeah, see you in yeah, a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scumbag. But yeah, I, I think that's one of my favourite bits when um, they're at the pool and he's come and Robin Williams has come as Mrs. Doubtfire and he's getting yeah. he's getting gradually more and more pissed at the bar and he has that conversation and then he bad mouths him to the fellow oh what can I say the old the old daddy's a loser and all this and yeah. he's like loser and he gets that lime off the fruit bowl <laughs> yeah. and pitches it perfectly at the back mm-hmm. of his head with dish and then yep. when he turns around he's like sir i saw it it was the terrorist <laughs> that ran that way it was a run by fruiting <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't he say it's one of the like the kitchen staff like he hasn't tipped him enough or something yeah that's it, it was one of, did you not tip them so yeah but that, that scene good. i was like i wonder how many takes it took to get a perfectly mm. square shot on the back of his head with a line. Yeah, because it, it, it looks, it is perfectly on the back of his head. Yeah. Like, that is a great shot. I'm wondering if they set that up somehow. Yeah, possibly, because that, just to save, yeah, but wouldn't you just get somebody, because it's not like you don't see him throw it in the same shot as what it hits when him it on the lands. back of the head. Yeah, so what I would say is you could set that up say have it someone above him off camera with like a little bit of fish wire or whatever yeah and you could just swing it into the back of his head yes. and when he pitches it full ball make the cut and just as he gets to the back of his head just swing yeah. it and it just goes off camera yeah because what you don't want to, you don't want to whack Piers Brosnan off because he turns because he, he turns around and it's definitely him that's been oh hit, yeah right? it's him that's been yeah. clobbered in the back of the head but you don't want to actually clobber him in the back of the head with a line <laughs> with a line but the sound and everything totally sells mm. it to you. you hear the squelch of the line yeah. as he properly hits the back really of his good. noggin so yeah now that that, kind of that, that scene reminded me of an instance so when I was at sec- when I was at secondary school, mm-hmm. we used to go for lunch. We used to go down to the to the corner shop mm-hmm. <clears throat> at the bottom of our old, old road, and it was run by a guy called Al. This is wholly irrelevant, 
but we used to call it Big Al's Halfway Warehouse. Don't was, know why. Was it actually called Big Al's Halfway Warehouse? No, it was called like Hagley Stores or something. Hagley Road <laughs> who Stores. Did, who came up with that one? I, I don't know. Somebody. Because it was halfway down the Hagley Road. Uh, so it was just kind of Big Al's Halfway Warehouse. Halfway. Anyway. And we went down there lunchtime as we always did. And there was some across the path just can by I, the road. Can I ask, as teenage boys... Mm. What did you buy for lunch at Big Al's Halfway Warehouse? Okay, so it's going to be a bag of crisps, a chocolate bar, and a can of something. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Because it, 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 he wouldn't sell... I don't think he sold sandwiches. I certainly never bought sandwiches. No. It was a bag of, of crisps, a chocolate bar. It's a, some kind of combination of those... Those types of things. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. holy trinity of teenage yeah. boy lunches, isn't it? Crisps, really? chocolate, and can a drink. Of pop. And it it wouldn't have been a can of pop. It would have been like a bottle, a, a, a little a, pan, a panda pop. Yeah, so <laughs> a, a stubby little bottle. <laughs> yeah, for like twenty five p or something, or or a Mister Freeze or something. Just something that was liquidy that you could shove oh, down your down. neck to wash it down. But as cheap as you can get. Yes, yeah, so a panda. So pop. how much would you roughly spend on this lunch as well? I had, well, I'd have a pound. I'd have a pound <laughs> a day to go <laughs> to go to the shops. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's known as a pound's worth of poo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So so we go down every day. Big group of us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as I say, across the path. Towards the road, there was some workmen mm. doing some work, digging up the road, digging yeah. up the path, doing some kind of work. And the one guy, he had a baseball cap on, and he had a huge, big, bushy beard, mm. and he looked just dirty. Yeah. So instantly, our attention is drawn <laughs> to this man who looks slightly different this than the easy rest. target. <laughs> yes. Right. We, we instantly... Uh, donned him Wurzel Gummidge okay, yeah. and he became we, we didn't shout anything because at this point we still don't want to shout something we don't there's a group of these oh, men start on you, yeah. yeah exactly one of my friends noticed that there was a for some reason a sack like a bag like a, a mesh bag of mm. Brussels sprouts just hanging outside the shop Big for ounce, some reason yeah. and he plucked one of the sprouts out and in a Robin Williams fashion, <laughs> launched it in the direction of Wurzel Gummidge. And just like Robin Williams hitting Pierce Brosnan on the back of the head, a perfect shot. And remember, he's wearing a baseball cap. And you know, in a baseball cap, it's got that hole, the arch in the back. I swear, it hit, he hit him the bullseye. bullseye straight in the back. And the guy turned around, obviously instantly, because he was like, what was that? Turned around to us. And we, we of course, tried not to burst out laughing. And luckily, he didn't come over and do anything. Yeah. But it was the, the most perfect shot. <laughs> because the lad who threw it, yeah. threw it and turned away at the same time, so not Brilliant. to be caught... Brilliant. And it and it hit him square on the back of the back of the head. It's oh, mad, it was, isn't it? It was amazing. It's mad, isn't it? Like first try stuff like that. Oh yeah, like that. And it had to be first time. If it didn't yeah. hit him first time, we weren't going to keep on. We weren't mm. going to keep trying. I say we. He was not going to keep on. It was a, it was a one time deal. It was a one time try, and it was it was perfect. Yeah. Oh, it's stuff like that. That's the kind of thing 
kids will try and recreate on their phones, won't they, these days? And yeah, film they'd, they'd film it, yeah. It, it, it loses its magic. It does, because it, it was all in the moment. It wasn't yeah. planned. It was just spontaneous. You grab the sprout. Grab the grab the sprout, and the fact that it was a Brussels sprout <laughs> added added to it because it's like I just got hit on the head with a Brussels sprout. <laughs> did That's he spot so the demeaning. sprout on the floor? I don't know. I think he. I, I think he probably did look around to see what it was, <laughs> and he knew it was us. Of yeah. course, he knew it can't was us. Can't prove it. No, we can't, can't prove, prove which one because it was a big group of us. Yeah. He wasn't going to confront like ten or twelve of us or whatever. Mm. Yeah, but that was good. So that was a nice memory that that brought up. Yes, indeed. Lots of memories. So I suppose to delve further down the rabbit hole of mm. the the divorcee, <laughs> just yeah. to make it heavy again after that conversation, <laughs> um, did you find yourself siding with the parent in this movie? Well, the trouble is, I I really disliked both of them because because um, I, f- I forget what her name is, Miranda. Mm, Miranda. Yes, yeah. I mean, she's just so unreasonable, like mm. with the whole thing. So it's it's like I I and like they they would take Mrs. Doubtfire on these like yes yeah, to the pool and to to where on her birthday. Um, dinner and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and he's he's like no, no no thought is ever given to him and what he's going through and you know kind of like yeah. he's he's never really mentioned ever regret again and like you know she she drops the kids off late she picks them up early she's she's horrible she's really just like doesn't give a crap yeah. about like her kids seeing seeing the dad and it's it's awful it's genuinely terrible for a professional person that she is she has no regard for her kids even though they're like they want to see their dad it's not like they they're not bothered Mm. they're like pleading with her that he can look after them after school and she's like no no i'm gonna get a perfect stranger and pay this perfect stranger to look after you rather that than have your dad look after yeah it's all out of love yeah 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 because he's a desire to actually see you yeah he's he's not He's not a responsible parent, you know. He trashes the house with a with a party that she specifically said they weren't to have and stuff like that. And and, and that whole party scene is brilliant because I slow I slowed it down to see exactly what kind of mayhem was going on. So you've got like the horse in the kids. house, you've got kids jumping around. There's a kid. If you look in the background, there's a kid swinging from a chandelier. <laughs> of course there is. Yeah. <laughs> because that that is the epitome of chaos, right? Yeah. A kid swinging Hollywood from a chandelier. Hollywood pandemonium. Yeah, with exactly. He's going to have them swinging from the lights. <clears throat> so I get that she's she's pissed off with him because he is a child in himself, right? Mm. I don't even know how they ever got together because they're so polar opposites apart, like yeah. the, the, this couple. Anyway. So, well, but fair... However unreasonable she is, he's he's not he's doing something <clears throat> which ultimately is going to be so damaging to these kids and to her, and it's a huge betrayal because he it's not like I could almost understand it if he said to the kids, "Right, kids, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dress up as a nanny, and I'm going to come and look after you." But we're just gonna play a play a joke yeah. on your mom. Yeah. 
and not let her know. If he did that, I think I'd side with him a little bit more. But he's he's tricking his would kids. That, would that not be a bit more subversive, though? That would be almost <coughs> like it's our little secret kind of thing. Yeah, yes. But I just think in terms of the psychological damage, <laughs> because the <laughs> way that the way psychological damage, the way that they find out is the son <laughs> catches him going to the toilet, stu- stood up. Yes, yeah, stood up. He's flipping, pulled his dress up, and he's doing a flipping whiz in the loo. So that's a huge shock. That's a huge shock yeah. and surprise yeah. that your that your dad. Is has, has pranked you for however many weeks it probably is in, and and you know they're starting to really like Mrs. Doubtfire oh, yeah, as a emotionally person. invested in this yeah. fake person. Yeah, so it it it's that's why I think he would have been better off saying to the kids, "This is what this is what I'm going to do." Mm. Um, he didn't do that, and so I can't really side with him either because he's a bit of a nut job. Have you seen on YouTube? Uh, the trailers of if Mrs. Doubtfire was a thriller or a horror, <laughs> no. and they've re- they've recut scenes to make yeah. it and and make and it seem is, really menacing. Yeah, yeah. And but the thing is, it's it's easily done because what he's doing yeah. is really menacing. Oh yeah, yeah. Goodness. So uh, yeah, so I can't no, I can't I can't side with any of them. And to think that my mum wanted to take me to the cinema. To see this as a portrayal of genuine separation in reality <laughs> in terms it's of the world. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. Oh dear me. Like I, I but fair play to her. I think that's a that's a very progressive thing for her to do at the yeah, time. Yeah. To to be like, look, families are different. But I think that and I, I, I never noticed it and whether that I was a kid, but there's loads of stuff that is just way too adult. In, in this film for, oh, yes. for kids. Yeah, lines that he reels off. Yeah. Interestingly enough, there's a scene, because we had this on VHS, we actually bought it eventually right. on, on video when it came out to buy after being in the cinema. And um, there's a whole scene in it now that they cut back then, ah. which was not in it. And I'm like, which one? whoa. So you know when they're at the restaurant and he is Mrs. Doubtfire and he's going between roles... Ah. And yes. he's, Miranda's gone to the loo and he just starts um, okay. reading off innuendo after innuendo yes. to do with yes. Miranda and her, her sexual appetite and her desires and what he wants to do and blah, blah, blah. And you know, one, that's Robin Williams just doing all of that off the top of his head. Yes. Trying not to, like, Pierce Brosnan's probably there trying not to break character because yeah. he's just doing this. Um, that was never in the original when it was released. Because what's he? To- oh, because he's talking about. Is he basically talking about having sex with her? Yeah, and he just comes up with, like you say, a euphemism after euphemism. Well, he he says I've written down two <laughs> two things that he says in that. He he uses the term rumple foreskin. <laughs> I don't know. What does that again, even mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember the specific context, but yeah. he talks about rumple foreskin okay. and. And um, and I was going to say because I don't remember that I I thought that must have just gone over my head but if that wasn't in that makes sense mm. because it does very it's, yeah that whole scene when he's just reeling off this stuff and then he says um, uh, he says to him 
or business business meeting over might get might get my leg over. So yeah, he just really really loves these things, that, and that's one of like I don't know maybe ten that he says yes. in quick oh, yeah. succession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the only ones I remember was he's talking about she has a power tool in the bedroom, dear. And oh yeah, he says that one, and then he says she's got the crabs, and I don't mean Dungeness. <laughs> So those two that lead in and that as the end that we had in the original, but right. the, everything else in between was totally yeah, cut, cut and they've, right, re, okay. they've reinstated it um, yes. as times have moved on. And I guess people uh, found it funny. <laughs> um, any other favourite lines from the movie that you, that you recall? Not, not, not that I can, not that I really recall. No, they, so, they, it was those ones that where I was just kind of like, whoa, that I don't remember that or mm. that's that certainly went over my head. So I have a couple. Um, we've already talked about the run by fruiting, with the lime on the back of the head. There's one. I, it's this is one of those things. Like I have a collection of phrases from movies that i would use in everyday life that i still just ring right. off that mm-hmm. obviously stuck in my head that i feel i can use ones that i'd use with the kids ones that i'd use like i said day to day and he uses one um that seems to have stuck with me ever since for some reason i don't use it necessarily in the context that he does um so she's they're going out for the big dinner, the big finale scene at the end, mm-hmm. and she's trying to pick out what she's going to wear for her big birthday bash with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, yes. And then they get Mrs. Doubtfire and Robin Williams comes in and he's trying to you know, pick out the dress. He doesn't want her to wear anything that's remotely nice or attractive. <laughs> yeah. So he's trying to get her to pick something awful. And he uses the term, why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? That's what he says. <laughs> That's a great line. And I use that all the time. Why buy the car when you get the milk for free? But then one of my other kind of lesser characters, who is still one of my favourite characters, even though he's only got like two lines in the whole film, is the guy Tony at the TV studio, the moody oh, one, yes. who's yeah. on, on reception when he first arrives. And he shows him what he's, he's established. He's got a job and this is going to be a good thing. It's a step in the right direction, you know, um, in terms of getting his kids back. And uh, Tony's like, see those cans, you box them, you ship them. And he's like, after you box them. And he goes, you ship them. And then he goes, lots of luck, smart ass. <laughs> and then just walks off and leaves into it. So yeah, Tony's always fun for a good couple of lines. Um, but anything you, you enjoyed about the film? What did you like about it? See, the thing is, I, I, I again... I think if you turn, you've got to, and then am I? I can't help but kind of like pick it apart, mm. and I find this it, it winds it winds Robin up no end because I do it with everything that we watch, yeah. and I and I, I pick apart just I can't help it, so I've I've just got this brain where I can't just go, and just kind of like turn it off and turn just enjoy and just sit and enjoy. I yeah. have I have to critique it. I have to critique everything. If if I if I can just turn that off, I think Robin Williams' performance is brilliant. Mm. I think it's it's funny, but I can't get over the fact that this, just the whole premise is nuts, mm. and the fact that I how did I how did I at the time not realize you just buy this it, prem- don't you, as a kid? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so, and, that, and that's the thing, and I and I guess like that's how it got made. I don't know that it could get made. I'd hate it when people say that. Of course, things like this get made all the time, yeah, like ridiculous, movies, ridiculous yeah. premises and stuff. So, but this was huge. Yeah. This wasn't like a this wasn't like a cocaine bear. No, film. this <laughs> right. was like a full on blockbuster Mainstream, family yeah. feature featuring yeah. two of the biggest stars, three of the biggest stars of the day. Yeah, and, and, and people I, were flocking to the cinemas to go and watch it, and, and, I guess, and not coming out going, "This is absurd." Yeah, is like, and I guess they they sort of do address the absurdity of it with the judge's ruling at yeah, the end. Yeah. Like they do go, "Like this wasn't just a caper. This was this has Months this is mental deception." <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is really really awful. This thing that you've done. Um, <laughs> just just one thing on that though. So like because Miranda sees the pain that Robin Williams' character... What's his name? I don't even know what his name Daniel is. Daniel Hillard. Okay, Daniel. So she sees the pain that Daniel's in, having now had not been able to see his kids at all without supervised visits and really short visits and stuff. And the way that they close that loophole is she just goes, I've sorted it with the judge. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I had a chat. I talked talk to him, and as if she, he's going to go, all right, fair. Well, your, your funeral, if your he, kids, if he, yeah, your if kids he, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but um, but I, th- I think it's funny, and it's got funny bits, mm. and it's and it's a caper. It, it's just it's just bonkers, and it's yeah. But I, I still think I don't think if my kids watched it today, I think the sensibilities have changed. And I think possibly they might go, this is a bit weird. Mm. And this is not what he's doing is really odd. Whereas me, I was just like bought into it. I thought it was just funny. This is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I suppose if you talk about loot, like plot holes is towards the end, he has like another little plea with Miranda to let him take the kids again. There's a oh, scene where he yeah, goes, let yeah, me yeah. take the kids. And she's like, I can't get rid of Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And I'm like, but mate, you are Mrs. Doubtfire. Finish her off. Just get rid of her. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, hang on. You are Mrs. Doubtfire. You've created this situation where she's totally bought into it now. And she's, yeah. she's, she's emotionally engaged and or professionally engaged, if you like. Yeah. But it's like, mate, you have faked a pensioner's identity created this mm. persona and character surely you can just fake a death kill her off. yeah just kill her <laughs> off yeah that's true oh mrs outfire is dead yeah she's gone well and, and i tell you i tell you one other good thing is that i'm glad that like because obviously he is mrs doubtfire and her they mm. they really do become quite close yeah and i think under somebody else's uh control mm-hmm. they might have written that they get back together that you know that that because of yeah. because of they're able to work through their problems and and that's it like they get back together and I'm glad that that doesn't happen because because that doesn't happen like in real life yeah, in real life you know the, the separate the separation and divorce still happens they don't get back together but they they come to kind of a mutual kind of agreement with each other that and to be fair. This is another plot hole. Is that she only does that after seeing Mrs. Doubtfire on TV? So she sees that. Oh yeah, she, she sees, sees other people could warm to her as a, yeah as a character. As yeah, a person. 
Yeah. Yeah. So my one of the bits that I liked, one of the genuinely emotional moments, is at the end, again, I suppose in a sense, in terms of depicting all this, it was quite a progressive movie. I don't think the fact that it was set in San Francisco was any was chance. I think it was yes. a case of we want to show the the actively showed a gay couple together yeah. as his brother living you know in a partnership yes. together long before the idea of civil partnership and marriage yep. certainly in the, even in the state of California yeah um and then at the end where he delivers this this lovely speech where he talks about lots of people exist in different ways different mummies daddies sometimes they live close together far away they only see each other so many times a week month year and mm-hmm. he really lays out this kind of familial landscape if you like Yes. And I think that was a nice moment. And I think that that kind of summed up, hopefully tied off the lunacy of the um, the whole film <laughs> yeah. into this is what the message ultimately is. Yes. That family and love can supersede um, differences and separation, even yeah. though it might not work out how you would have ultimately wanted. It still can work out for you. And, you know, this is my critical mind coming back in. One thing that he didn't mention in that kind of scenario of different households, mm. he didn't say, like, two dads, two moms. Uh, yeah, because I thought that. I'm like, from what I recall, I was like, does he say that? Like, back in the mm. day, so I was listening for it. Yes. Maybe 93, that was too It was too soon. It was too, too soon. Like yeah. I say, they didn't have that kind of thing. No. Le- certainly legalised in... Yeah in the more progressive states. But like I said, yeah. they obviously wanted to portray it and to kind of maybe ease yes. it into where... I mean, got to remember, are. this is 30 years ago. This film is 30 years. I, I know, so it's a, lo- it's a long time ago. Hmm. And the, the other thing is, and I don't want to get into it, but I think that this film would struggle now with its unintentional transphobia mm. um, that is kind of littered throughout, I think. It's but, not as easy to be a man or a woman when you are not one, as yes. easily as Robin Williams portrays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, I did make notes on a couple of things, but it's not worth getting into because it's a no. minefield for one. Yeah. And it's, it, 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 it is... It is transphobic in in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but not in. I don't think in. I think probably some intentional and some not intent. Where you know transphobia was very much just kind of like a butt of a joke. A man dressing up as a woman is. is Do you think it's transphobic in the sense, or it's more kind of along the lines of the fun and entertain? I'm not going into it. I know now. <laughs> But, but the the more fun, entertaining side of like transvestites, like it's more of an entertainment. It's fun. It's yeah. It's more going along that line. It's funnier because he's an old woman, not just a guy pretending to be a woman because it's fun and entertaining. Yeah, in like a, I don't a comedic sense. See, I don't. I don't think necessarily anything that Mrs. Doubtfire does or portrays or is treated is transphobic. It's more. It's it's really just a very few kind of throwaway lines where he's, you know, when he's ringing up Miranda to to 
pretend to be oh, all these yeah, awful the nannies, yeah, yeah. and he and he's I like, don't work with the with, with the woman because yeah. I used to be one. Yeah. That it's that kind of stuff, which again is I'm 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 really like. I think it is transphobic, and I'm I'm probably being overly sensitive, but I think that that kind of stuff wouldn't have been even thought about as being offensive to anybody back in the day. But I think, and and, and we can't judge it on today's standards, but yeah. it. But at the same time, I can't just not highlight it a little yeah. bit. Um, the world has moved on. We've moved. It's moved. Well, you'd hope so. But you yeah. Thirty years ago, but I, all in all, I still I still enjoy it. Enjoyed it as a film. Mm. I enjoyed watching it. It made me laugh. Um, yeah, and so so I still I still think it's a I still think it's a good film despite all its flaws. It's madness. Yeah, it's madness. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, let us move on now then to your suggestion, which was again another classic family movie albeit when i spoke to people about what we were going to talk about today the films in question a lot of people hadn't seen it really yeah which i found weird because when you suggested yeah. it to me i was like all oh, right yeah return to Oz, yeah sweet um i haven't watched that in a while um and then my well, wife who, hasn't who, seen who, it. what kind of people are you talking like what age group are we talking well, about so for instance my wife's never seen it and what? she's like same age as me, uh, and yeah, I, I, maybe I don't know if it was just our circle was more familiar with it than others. You know, it wasn't as generally popular as we might have thought. Well, it's funny because my so Robin said to one of her work colleagues had mentioned that we do this podcast and we were doing Return to Oz, mm. and he said. Ah, yes. Uh, one of the few films... Uh, no, one of those films that um, traumatises... Has traumatised the generation. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess like it, I, maybe it was just our circle because I don't really remember... You don't really see anybody else talking about it. It's not like on this great list of like terrifying films family films so-called mm. family films that have traumatized loads of kids or fam- <laughs> kids kids of the 80s found it traumatic um it's not like a never-ending story everybody knows never-ending yes, story yeah. i don't think it's up there with with those but i would have thought more people would have it almost be aware plays, of it it almost plays like the anti-hero to the never-ending story doesn't it yeah 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 so, it does Let's get into it then. Let's have okay. a look at the, the blurb. This is Return to Oz from 1985. So I would have been one year old when this came out. So I saw it, mm. obviously, a long time after its initial yeah. release. Um, so Return to Oz, as it suggests, it's part of the, the Oz Dorothy universe, as we would call mm. it these days, based on uh, a book, but I'll, I'll read that. So Dorothy finds herself back in the land of her dreams in this second thrilling adventure based on L. Frank Baum's Oz books. When she finds her old friends have been turned to stone, new friends TikTok, Jack Pumpkinhead and the Gump help her battle dangerous new enemies, including the creepy Wheelers, the head-hunting Princess Mombi and the evil Gnome King. 
Can Dorothy save her old friends and restore the Emerald City? So, yeah, the Emerald City has gone to flipping shabizzle. It has, yeah. Because the the Gnome King has worked his, his evil, horrible ways. So, when did you first see Return to Oz? Now, I I remember more so... Now, I I recalled this differently than, I re, than it actually is. So, in my mind, when I suggested this, I remember it differently. And on re-watching <laughs> it, I was surprised. I was surprised. So I probably only watched this, like, a handful of times mm. as a kid. The thing I remember more is... We we had a stack of Disney DVDs, yeah. um, v- VHS. VHS, and it would have Which, been because of volume sake took up an entire bookcase. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, tips. absolutely. Um, and I remember on one of those more watched Disney videos, mm. and that could have been Winnie the Pooh, it could have been Basil the Great Mouse Detective, yeah, yeah. it could have been Robin Hood. Um, there would have been an advert for Return to Oz other other things you could Mm, buy on Disney TV on Disney home video is what it would have been and I I remember more the advert and the clips advertising Return to Oz more than the film so whether we had it on VHS I I cannot remember Mm. um I remember more the feeling that the <laughs> that it that it had upon me the 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 lasting kind of legacy that it had on my psyche mm. more than the actual film or how I consumed it or where I consumed it. I just remember being terrified specifically by the wheelers. Yeah. Um and and the, yeah and and Princess Mumby or whatever her name is. Yeah. Um who going back to Willow is yeah, she is Bav Morda. Bav Morda, yeah. yeah, yeah, and she's also the horrible nurse in the insane asylum, which is yeah. not really an insane asylum. Which I recall it being an insane asylum. You do, yeah, that's what I and remember. I, yeah. I, my, so in my memory, it's actually more scary than it is in the film because I remember it starts with her in the insane asylum, and I thought they'd locked her up. So. I, you, I forget that preface bit where they're worried about her not sleeping and they try and get some help. I thought that the parents had just kind of like committed her her off (laughs) as a nut nut job and she's just inside an insane asylum, Hmm. which is more terrifying than than what it actually is. Right, yeah. So watching this with my, my filmmaking hat on, this is... So even the the initial bits that you said you'd kind of forgotten mm. were some of the most visually, d- deliberately so, visually uninviting mm. um, and fantastically terrifying um, film work and cinematography. Like the sparse flipping prairie that they just live on right. in yeah. Kansas. It's like, <laughs> at the risk of sounding like a knob, <laughs> I drew comparisons between it and there will be blood. <laughs> but literally it plays on that same principle of wow, this is really I'm emotionally 
already despairing at what I'm seeing mm, on screen. Right. First thoughts are, I wouldn't want to live there. That looks awful. And, it's like, and it's like the nowhere. half, yeah, and it's like the half-built house. Half-built so house. You're in yeah. limbo because your last house was destroyed in a tornado. Yes. It's like, hang on, yeah, I'm, I don't want to be there. And then when they go off and even even the dog just gets left behind, it's like, yeah, Toto's not coming with you, Dorothy, to the north. Yes. You're just going on your own. Um, then we go into the nut house and you can literally draw again comparisons between it and like 80s psychological horror movies yeah yeah there's very little music it yes. is relying solely on what you see and what you hear yes and from screams do you hear, screams do you hear screams? all yeah. the time so you're in there yeah. and all you're hearing is people screaming the whole time and it's one of the most distressing things ever that, that, but that's so good not to use music because we don't we don't need anything to set the tone mm. we've got screams we've got that really unappealing uninviting hospital which is clearly a br- uh, just a british hospital the- <laughs> it's just an old, old 80s british. hospital yeah <laughs> Which were horrible in and of yes. themselves. So again, imagery that you're just thinking, this is really... Oppressive. Well, oppressive. It is inhospitable in the the, yeah. the utmost sense. Um, mm. And so you're immediately just set on edge. Like even as an adult, yeah. I was watching it and flipping. Like, I watched this as a young kid. Yeah. Like I think I first watched this when um, we have a mutual friend who's also house and family we would go and stay at. Um, not the usual one who we've discussed where we would just be left to our own devices to watch mm-hmm. films. We all sat around at this other person's house and it was like a family film. Yeah, let's put Return to Oz on, which it was, I suppose, yeah. in essence. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching it thinking, you know when you're kind of young and the film is scaring you, but you don't want to be, you don't want to appear to be scared of what yeah. you're watching in front of everybody else. Yeah. It was like that. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a bit mad, isn't it? It's a bit scary. And you're kind of looking away, like looking down at the floor and stuff and up at the, up at the ceiling because you're a bit scared of what you're seeing. So, yeah, the, the whole thing, even up to the point where we hadn't even got to Oz yet, was yeah. like, this is insane. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it was specifically designed visually from the offset to to put you on edge which it very much which it does yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. and it's like the machine and like you know you we just know that this is going to be some kind of torturous horrible machine that's going to cause pain and that's where the screams (laughs) are coming from and we're going to try and like electrotherapy and knowing what we know about electrotherapy now oh yeah you know it's it's not horrible well yeah. So I, I that actually reminded me. I remember being when I was a student. I lived with this other fella. Um, it wasn't necessarily a student house. He was just like an older friend right. of my brother's, um, and he had a spare room, which happened to be in Middlesbrough where I went to uni. And um, we we would often be watching TV, and we had Sky, so we're always flicking through the channels. <laughs> and one, you know, when sometimes you fortuit or in, unfortuitously turn onto a channel and see something that's either mental or funny or that you very much didn't want to see. We flicked onto like a documentary channel, which was all about like electroshock treatment. Right. And we, I've seen it. So I've literally had oh, archival no. film footage of this woman 
and she had like so yeah she had the pads on her head yeah and she was strapped down and they had like a bite like a bite guard and oh, a mouth oh no and literally we're flicking through I flick it on and we just see this woman go and it's not like a <laughs> It's not like it's not like in the movies where you see people juddering away like yeah, they've, no. they've been shocked. It's like literally just every muscle in her body just tense, contracted. Yeah. So she just went ding stayed there until the the current they thought, right, we've obviously shocked her through the brain enough now. Oh, Let's turn word. it off again. So she went ding. It was probably only for like a fraction of a second, but yeah. it seemed like an eternity. Yeah. We, so we flicked on. I flicked off. I turned to this fella that I was with, and he was like, "Flipping egg man, that was proper mad, wasn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> to the point where we were almost tempted to flick back, but we're just like, "Nah." Oh, this you is, didn't. This is too uh, dark. I can't watch this. Well, I I have. Let me tell you my somewhat similar experience of electric shock therapy. So, on my mission, uh, we were in a four four man house. <clears throat> so there was four of us. Somebody found. If by chance we've got people listening who don't know us personally, who know that we were raised as members of the oh, Mormon okay. Church, he's yeah. referring to a two-year mission that young men tend to serve. Yeah. Um, where you where you go and try and teach people about the church and recruit, yeah. recruit. You're, yeah. So, <laughs> so we're we're in we're in the and you you're in pairs. So there's two yes, pairs there's of two. men. Um, living in this very small house and <laughs> what somebody found you know that they're not called tens machines but like the, the muscle the muscle things yeah. that, that build up your muscles by doing nothing you just strap them on and yes. you turn yeah. the, and they, they cause your muscles to contract and that's supposed to build to say, up your muscles as a missionary i had a similar experience but let's hear yours <laughs> okay so of course we we use it for how it's supposed to be used you know we're trying to build we're, we're young virile men that want to keep some kind of uh a physique going. good physique but we don't have a lot of time to work out you can't go into a gym or anything so this is something yeah. while you're studying of a morning you can strap it on <laughs> and and zap zap away but then of course it's then turns into a bit of a game yeah. where somebody puts it on and another person has control of how powerful uh, you, you turn it on, and it's how how much of how much can you withstand yeah, of, it's, it's of how high the yeah. sport <laughs> exactly, and we're, we're putting it on different parts just to see how it contracts. So on your on your biceps, on your chest. And what it does mm. is it really does just make your muscles contract to the yeah. point where you've got no control. I oh. remember, I think I put it on my biceps or my chest yeah. and they'd, th- whoever was in control would kind of do a little jerk to give you a little <laughs> bit and then they'd whack it I right up. Taste. And I, I've got photos somewhere of me <laughs> con- with my arms contract because I'm topless <laughs> while this is going on as well. <laughs> and, um, and my arms just like, <laughs> like coming up like in front of my face because that's just involuntary this is what's happening and again it's only for like a second or two at a time but my arms are right up in me and my face is fully contorted because it's absolutely killing doing it and I'm and I'm and I'm screaming my head off but um yeah so I can't we never thank goodness not one of us thought to put it on our on our temples (laughs) 
<laughs> However, one did put it, and this this talks about Ooh. something we we were talking about before we started recording. Put it somewhere near his genitals. <laughs> I think. I think. I think. No. I think. I think he put it on his bum. On I his... think he put it on his bum. <laughs> And somebody whacked it right up, and all, I I was in the other room, and all I heard was him go, "Ah, oh, my shaft!" <laughs> as he as he flipping buzzed his entire perineum <laughs> and flipping lower body parts oh, dear me. to pieces. So yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like to have a proper electric shock therapy oh, to, to the brain. Yeah, yeah. I was ours were pretty tame. We did a very similar thing. Uh, Let's put them on and see what we can do. I remember putting mine on my forearms and my hands, my hands, my hands just contorted into a couple of like monkey claws, like like straight in. As you like, I remember looking at my forearms as he did it. They did like change to like grapefruits in my forearms, and you just have absolutely no control over it. Um, But yeah, I think somebody did it. And I think this is where the game was mute by mutual agreement stopped. Somebody put it on somebody's head <gasps> while they were asleep <laughs> <gasps> and decided to do a few little buzzes while they were asleep. Um, no, that is bad. Indeed, that's, that's that is gonna bad. Be, I'm pretty sure there was a health warning in one of those things, which, which would have I said, would have, I would have hoped no, so. No head engagement with the, the gym body eight machine or whatever it was called uh, so yeah electric shock treatment is rather mm. casually blasely one might say uh brushed over by the the sociopath of a of a doctor, a doctor. if we can call him that who's like but this, but there's this its have... tongue there's its eyes it's got a happy face <laughs> But I sort of get that. I saw why he's trying to make it un- not scary to to this child who's probably like nine or something, mm. um, who I didn't realise until watching it this time round is uh, the Waterboy's girlfriend in the Waterboy with Adam Sandler. <laughs> right. <laughs> like she, I think she was also in like um, uh, what's that one called? Oh, I can't think. She's been oh, in a couple she's of been films. In, yeah, she's in the like relic things, or something. She's in, she's no. in things to do with Den- in Denver when you're dead. Oh, like is she? She's, she's one of the characters. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I looked her up because I'm like, she looks really familiar. And yeah. I can't place her. Yeah. And I looked her up and realised all the stuff she was in as an adult. Um, yeah. yeah. So so that, 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 was a, that was a bit mad. Um but yeah, so but I get like why the doctor's doing that. But then it's like, yeah, she's you know she's strapped in, and but luckily, lightning saves the day, kills oh, all the power, and she's able does. to. Oh, the the girl appears and and unties her, doesn't yes. she, and 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 releases her, and they run off together to Oz, to eventually. Oz. Yeah, they go into the the river and by way. Oh, that's game, right. By way, means yes. of natural. Causes they end up yes in Oz again, which seems to be just what happens in in that's how you get to Oz if it's not from a a tornado or a or a twister a land, or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a thunderstorm and you get a flash flood. F- flash, yeah, that's right, and away you go back to Oz. So, in stark contrast, then to the opening scenes, which are. In my estimation, actually, before things get weird as you would expect them to, in yes, Oz, 
um, of the, the the reality of the, the loony asylum. She delivers a killer line, actually, which I wrote down. The girl, the the, the princess, who we find out ultimately who she yes. is, who saves her, or at least is she the princess, or are all the people in Oz just mental portrayals of Dorothy's yes. conscience? Is what yes. we're kind of trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, but she says, and this is like, Stu, that's a brutal line. Um, she asks her, what, what, who's that screaming, doesn't she, as they're trying to run out? And she mm-hmm. says, damaged patients locked in the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'm glad you cleared that up for me, because that now seems normal. <laughs> it's just the damaged so, patients right. in the cellar. But, that, but that's mad, though, because that's then, this electric shock therapy, not only does it not work, but it causes them to be damaged so much so that they have to be locked in a cellar and yeah. they're just kept there So the doctor's thinking to himself, oh, Flip, that's bad for business, that. I've got to keep, <laughs> yeah. them. I've got to keep them hidden away somewhere. <laughs> so that's what he does. So, yeah, we get to Oz and we establish that things are very different. The red, uh, the yellow brick road's all flipping, torn to bits and it's yeah. upended. Um. But instead of Toto, we have Belina, yes. who is the chicken, a chicken from the farm. How yes. did you get here, Belina? Oh, I must have blo- been blown here in the storm. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the thing that was, we've gone from this one truly terrifying, well-constructed opening to the film to now, in my estimation, one of the worst films not to me. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry for bringing this up because <laughs> I didn't realize just how terrible this film actually is on rewatching it. Mm. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's really so, bad. So Belina, the reason right, so the reason I brought Belina the chicken up is mm-hmm. it's funny she's this animatronic Yes. Other than the wider shots where you can see the real trained chicken. real chicken. In. Yes, yeah. She's this animatronic chicken, which is obviously operated with a hand up her backside. Yes. With this, whoever the puppeteer is working this chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, so every shot of her when she's been operated somehow strategically has her ass out of shot so yes. that the man's hand can, the arm can go up there. Yeah. Almost like the Muppet show. It's like you yes. never see the bottom half. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's either holding her under her arm, and I'm just picturing some dude like hidden behind yep. behind Dorothy with his arm up there, and then oh she sat down, so there's a guy underneath the box operating yes. from underneath where the yeah. the box is. Um, and yeah, from that point on, things just go kind of from bad to worse with Return yeah. to Oz. Like the Norm King, the Wheelers were scary. We did talk about. The, the, the wheel, I think the wheelers are, and, the, and the way that they're introduced I think is genuinely scary because they wear those kind of like masks on the top of their head so when they're scooting yeah. along you see this creepy kind of face and then they lift their face and you go you're not scary at all like you're just weird and yeah. just like you're like annoying. circus performers <laughs> yeah it you're is like it's like just like really annoying kind of like circ- yeah like, like a really cra- like Pound shop, so to say, <laughs> yeah, it's just really not, not, not scary, and not, 
yeah, not anything really. It's just mm. kind of like, oh, right. Because they're all like brightly coloured and stuff like the costumes aren't like... Oh, like metallic. Scary. And, yeah, and it's really just kind heavy of... heavy eye makeup and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not... Yeah, no, they're, they're not scary anymore. Not in the same way they, I found that mm-hmm. I remember them being scary at least. So yeah, beyond that point when I realised just how bad things mm-hmm. were... That's when I really started because I, I almost wanted to find things wrong with it when I yeah. realized one, I stopped empathizing with characters <laughs> to the <laughs> point where I'm like, oh, flipping it. Like there's TikTok, it becomes apparent that TikTok is probably you, at first you think, oh, he's properly handy because he, he takes on the wheelers, doesn't he, with the, the lunch pail? Yes. He, he does his little spinning Zangief yes. impression, robot Zangief, and, <laughs> yeah. and properly takes them out. Yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, he's going to be a real good uh, ally to have throughout the rest of this movie, and then you realise just how much of an inconvenience he then becomes. Yeah, so you have to wind him up, and not just three wind different him ways. Up. <laughs> you have to wind him up three different ways. So it's like, hang on. Compared to Jack Pumpkinhead, who becomes yes. the other ally, he's not as handy when it comes to toe-to-toe combat. Yeah, he he like immediately establishes himself as somebody who's way better for you as someone who you want as an ally. Because yeah. he just first of all he picks the lock with his little bony finger, he just pops yeah. it through, picks the lock. While TikTok is busy flipping. Oh, I'd love to help you, but my what is it? The men like his mental uh, cog needs turning. So he's had one for his movement. Yes, one for his. His speech, his speech, and then the and, other for his brain, brain, his brain box yeah. to work. Yeah, and they all rather inconveniently time out at different different times. times. I know it's ridiculous. And like, could you have an, an army? Because isn't he supposed to be like one of like an army? An army, the, of the Oz army. TikToks, yeah. Yeah, so like everybody's like constantly having to wind up these armies, like go on the battlefield and like wind, wind them up all up. the time. Yeah. Nah, it's stupid. I'm not having it. Also, he has to be, he's not self-correcting, so if he gets knocked over, he's like a cow that needs to be tipped back up. So yeah, It's a rubbish design. You're useless. You're meant to be a soldier, so I'm just going to push you over. That's yeah. you done for. I can just wait for your flipping TikTok uh, things to run out. Maybe... Maybe he's because he has the appearance of like a first world war kind of like captain or general, so, somebody, a, a, yeah, so, somebody who's not going to be actually on the on the front lines. You know, he's, you he's upper class. Yeah, because he's he speaks. He's I think he's 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 not a Tommy. He's not a working mm. class kind of like front front line. I, I'm talking more about his the way he looks. So he's got the big mustache. Yeah. Um, he's a bit more rotund. Yeah, you know yeah. he's he's going to be back, move, moving. You know, coordinating the 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 cannon fodder to go yeah. up over the top and and get blattered by by the the German machine guns. Mm. He so I think that he's, but I still think that he's he's in the Oz army. He is just a foot soldier. He this is the best they've got. They've just got an army of these really rotund, mustachioed crap robots yeah. that, that, that are clockwork and constantly need uh, need winding up. Yeah. And no no wonder the flipping... No wonder they're lost. No, no wonder, wonder they're lost. lost, yeah. You lot. 
So, mm-hmm. like I say, I, I stopped him empathising with him. Yeah, and I really wanted enough. them to just sack him off. Yeah. He's useless. Get rid of him. It'd yeah. be less weight for the gump, the flying gump, to hold on his back. And that gump is ridiculous as well. The gump is pretty useless. As soon as he gets unhooked from his yeah. his sofa. I mean, he can fly and he can if he can ride on him, essentially. Yeah. Which is his purpose. But once that purpose was served... Oh, he's, he's just him dead wood. Yeah. Literally. Sack him Yeah. Off. So, yeah, I really started to disengage a little bit <laughs> with the characters. Um, you almost wanted to see Dorothy fail. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to see her fall victim to Oz and what it had become. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, no, I, I think so. One of the other gripes I had with it, though, too, was how... So, Mombi, Princess Mombi, right? She's the first baddie, if you like, yes. before they get to the Norm King. She's in the kingdom um, where all these people have been turned to stone, but before mm-hmm. some of them, the young maidens, before they were turned to stone, Mombi has a bit of a penchant, if you will, for collecting their heads so she yes. can wear them, depending on what mood she's in. She has a different mood for, for every outfit, different head. Mm-hmm. You would have thought that if those heads had been taken and they're all in that cabinet room yes they're all in the different cabinets and or um as ill-gotten heads from all these girls they would have been a little more embittered towards her yeah almost like help us like yeah not not wanting to to help princess mombi or whatever and yeah Yeah, like they they would be sworn enemies like they wouldn't yeah. want like to... she's putting her hands in to get that they're trying to bite her fingers and yeah. stuff and going <laughs> yeah. like properly kicking <laughs> off at her. yeah spitting at her doing whatever they can just to yeah, be yeah because they've had their heads stolen but their yeah. brains are still yeah it do, it doesn't make any sense and then when she's running through they're all like shouting at Dorothy yeah like being like oh she's she's doing this she's doing that it's like well hang on she's trying to help you help you yeah so you actually you would eventually be... you get your heads back and you, you you get restored so yeah why would you unless again we just got to put it down to maybe they're under some kind of spell because everything makes sense if in the world of fantasy there's always some yeah some nonsense that you can easily make up that why they're doing what they're doing. So, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you one thing that I did really like, though, and this is so a positive. Here's a positive okay. about that whole scene. So, Princess Mumby's body, di- so it, it's it di- not what do you call it? dismembered. Is it dismembered when it yes, has no yeah. head? So, so the body decapitated. Dis- decap- the decapitated body is is sleeping. Right, it sleeps. She sleeps <laughs> with no head. Yeah, and the death rattle noise. Is ter- is terrifying, but of course, if you didn't have a head and just an open <laughs> an open throat, yeah, it, like on your neck, I, I guess that sound would be pretty awful. And the sound is awful. It's it's just like a, a proper death rattly kind of hideous sound. I thought, oh, okay, no, that's that's probably fair. That's probably. But then, surely, if she doesn't have a head, how is she hearing stuff? Ah. Uh, that was yeah, the other gripe and, I had. And, yeah, How come and she... I would be, never mind flipping sneaking in to steal the keys from yeah. for her cabinet. I okay. would be flipping dancing in. I'd have the tunes yeah. going. Never mind flipping sneaking around. She's got no head. Yeah, and then when so she, she does when she does get up, what's she going to do? She can't see where I am. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, so that doesn't make any sense either, that the body just instinctively knows where to go and, yeah, hears a noise, gets rattled by it and comes comes running. And it's that classic, because it's a real person, so they've had to build up the shoulders and the neck. <laughs> to hide the head. This yeah. inordinately long-bodied person yeah. is there with no head. It's, yeah. I, I, I can't help but compare this to, like, Labyrinth, which... Was around the same. It would have been mm. around the same. And I think there's a lot of crossover. I think Brian, because oh, yeah. because Brian Henson does the voice of Jack, Jack. Pumpkinhead, yeah. and he also does Hoggle in uh, yeah. in Labyrinth. We've got so the the woman who does the voice of Belina. She, do you remember Terrorhawks? Yes. Yeah. She she's Zelda from Terrorhawks. She is also in Labyrinth as the junk lady. You know when. Sarah um, goes yes, to the yeah, junkyard yeah. and she tries to get her to convince to, and then eventually she, the junk lady turns into David Bowie. Um, <laughs> we've got the natural transition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I was the junk lady all along. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that freaky? <laughs> That's a flight of the Concords, Bowie. It probably is, isn't it? Um, is it a freaky t- outfit? <laughs> Uh, TikTok, he's uh, he's also in Labyrinth. He's a goblin, and he's also in Dark Crystal. Um, of course, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of crossover between those, and and those are ultimately so much better than this film. And I think I think that maybe I bunch them all together as really good films. And this, yeah, this is t- it's it's so bad, yeah. so so bad. So the one I suppose my it's a positive thing to take from the film but only because it's ridiculous and it was hilarious to the point where I I actually sniggered and burst out laughing when I Mm. saw it and it got more ridiculous as this one element of the scene was introduced and continued but then was also disappointingly cut short was um, so she goes she she defeats Mombi she then Mm. heads to the Norm King's mountain because she wants to then put right everything in the Emerald City yes so that it's all back to normal in Oz. The Gnome King is this rock, essentially, that lives in the mountain, literally yes. in the mountain as a rock, who's yep. hoping that in the course of this this interaction with Dorothy, she's going to initiate this spell that's going to make him human. Yes. Um, they have to guess. As he which, slowly be, and he slowly becomes he's human, becoming doesn't human. It? So he starts as this like animated, rocky... Figure, yes, yeah, 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 that's and right. And eventually turns into this heavily made up real person, yes. but still with this rocky kind of rough makeup and everything yes. in stone. And his outfit I actually kind of liked it yes. because it, first of all, when he finally turns into this person and this challenge is going on that if they fail, they'll get turned into inanimate objects and he'll get turned into a human, yes. reminded me of like a mighty Bush sketch, like. <laughs> Literally, the Norm King, when he becomes kind of semi-human, mm. just looks like he could be Noel Fielding dressed yeah. up. Yeah. And then, especially the bits where he goes, were you looking for these? And he just slips out his ru- <laughs> ruby slippers from under his cape. Yeah. And you're like, hang on, this bloke, this bearded rocky man, yes. was keeping these little ruby slippers, ruby slippers. Yeah, to himself. under his cape. And then all of a sudden... 
they pop out. Like, that was the point where I literally burst out laughing. Yeah. Thought, what is going on here? This is mental. And not only that, as he perpetuates the fact that he's got these slippers that he knows she wants because she has to get home and that's the that's the, that's way, the to, only way to yeah. reinstate and the magic of yes. Oz and, and put everything to rights. Um it becomes like way more camp. Like every time he refers to the ruby slippers, he's like pointing his toes and like swirling them round and like putting them out in front of him, like he's modelling them or something in front of a mirror. And you're like, hang on, you're meant to be some badass gnome king, and you're there yeah. with a pair of ruby slippers on, acting like flipping. Well, it's close, close between a king and a queen, isn't it? It's well, that, it's he, that crossover. He fulfilled both roles yeah. adequately. And yeah. it was. I just thought this is this has gone from that sublime to ridiculous in in a <laughs> split second. And do you know what? That did not even occur to me. But that is <laughs> that is probably yeah, Mighty Boosh kind of nonsense <laughs> yeah. going on there. It That's was like so Miss, mad. It reminded me of Mister Susan, the the guy from the Mirror World, and he has to guess <laughs> which one's a real mirror and which one he can step through. And welcome to my Mirror World. It was that kind of vibe. Like I'm pretty yeah. sure there's even. Like a mighty Boosh character that looks like the Gnome King when he gets to that mm. stage of being mm-hmm. semi-human. Well, I didn't realise what was going on because, like, it's very, it's like gradual, isn't it? Yeah. The way he changes and it's becoming more and more human. I, I, just, I don't. Again, I don't know whether I was just like disengaged at this point, but I didn't really clock what was going on until he he's he's so far changed and then he he kind of then he sort of explains it doesn't he that that he, yeah, he's becoming become more human. human yes i will become human and then it's with like my ruby oh, slippers i get it as as they are turning into inanimate objects yeah each time he's becoming fail, more more he's human getting, yeah yeah and it, well it becomes apparent when he he spells that out to Mombi, yes. who yes. again totally mighty boosh turns up she's got the wheelers now at the helm of her oh, yeah. sled yeah. <laughs> whipping them reminded me of the crack fox run for me my bin bag bitches <laughs> she's there whipping these poor wheelers at the flipping helm of her her little i don't know chariot that she's chariot in. is like a chariot thing yeah and yeah she's just thrashing them it's like dude again there's more wheelers than there are of her i know yeah. she's magic why don't you just turn on her and flip right, and kick her yeah, head rise up. instead of having her treat you like trash wow. and using you? But there you go. I mean, obviously there were the the parodies between the original Oz movie. You could see they were the monkeys, you know, the winged yes. monkeys. They, they yeah. had the the mannerisms and even the vocal uh, mannerisms of the monkeys from the the original film, and then. It, when you see finally the Gnome King, the Wheelers, Mombi, you realise that it's all the people from the the hospital that you've seen. Yes, the Wheelers, so the Porter, the Wheelers, it's the, the, guy doctor, yeah. the Doctor, and everything, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay. So then you have to think to yourself, well, who was the girl? Who was the the right. the little girl? It becomes apparent she's the princess, and in true Disney fashion, it all comes together all too easily. Yeah, well, this is it. It is. It is just like she. She realizes that the 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 scarecrow, the king scarecrow, is just a green emerald. Yeah. And she and she she. What does she? Oh, she has to say some magic words and oh, and then any reappears. Oh, yeah. And and then you know it's just like grab any green thing, 
any green object and, yeah, and their and their Oz and it all yeah. take you back to Oz. Yeah. So yeah, and then eventually the idea that the Gnome King is terrified of chickens because Because reasons. Because eggs are poisonous. Right, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And that's the thing that ultimately kills him off. So after all the endeavour of discovering which inanimate object is who and yeah. we can we can put things to rights by discovering all the green things of people from Oz, we'll turn them all back. We'll get the Emerald City back to normal. The thing that actually changes him into or defeats the Norm King is Belina craps an egg in his mouth. Yeah. And he goes, oh, it's poison. And all the flipping rocks, poison, poison. Oh, but, but, but that, yeah, it doesn't come out of nowhere, does it? Because the whole point is like his, his little minions say, you know, Dorothy's back and she has a chicken. So oh, the, and 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 there's there's like kind of a bit of mystery as to why why is so tired of the chicken, but it, again it does come back to just like this is it's mad it's this really weird. weird like yeah. why is that a thing but like and so Belinda becomes is so Belinda's not just along for the ride but ultimately she She's is Chekhov's gun yeah she is. <laughs> <laughs> she is the silver bullet that will yeah. devastate the Norm King yeah yeah and ultimately the saviour. So, I mean, beyond that, I didn't <sighs> yeah. really have much else to say about the return to Oz. When you suggested mm-hmm. it, I thought, oh, yeah, I've not watched it in yeah. a while. I remember being terrified of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond the actual genuinely terrifying things, which kind of resembled reality, which is probably yes. what made them more more yeah. terrifying, the latter portion was just skid. Yeah, no, I, I agree entirely. And as I was watching it, I knew I'd made a huge mistake. <laughs> we have we have wasted our time. Yeah, by revisiting yeah. it. But isn't that funny? Because like, I have again terrifying memories of it, or at least did before rewatching it. Hmm. And it is just those impressions so so ingrained. I must have been really really young when I watched it, and hmm. they just really really imprinted upon my mind which and yeah. then just kind of lasted me making me think oh because like i've watched wizard of oz like loads of times and i don't like it because it's twee and yeah. it's a musical and i don't really get on with musicals so like this in contrast is better or at least in my opinion as a mm. kid was so much better because it's darker and it's like got more just kind of like and there's no music in it there's no songs in it it's not it's not that kind of film it's completely different when you think about our myconic remit which is you know films that have had a lasting effect on us yeah it does kind of fit the bill because both you and you you referred to the person that you know yeah that robin talked about it with at the start of us discussing this said oh yeah one of the most truly terrifying films Mm. and in terms of being a formative film that we remember as being scary yeah i think that is the the universal response to flipping heck yeah return to was was mental it was nuts yes it was really terrifying whereas now through a a more uh, adult uh looking glass you can say ah yeah no yeah no it's just crap but I think, and I wonder if it, it it had that impression because of the contrast between, or uh, you know, this is this is kind of it's not even like a, a a sequel as such because like the the genre is completely different in terms of you know, it is it's darker than than 
the Wizard of Oz, and whether in my head it just it just had more weight as a result of just being com- completely different yeah. from from the original film. Um, but yeah, it, it it did have a lasting impression on on my younger self. But yeah, no, it's it's terrible. Don't bother. But it's interesting <laughs> that again there was a warning at the beginning. Watch this on Disney Plus. There was a war- it was tobacco again. warning again. <laughs> contains no, tobacco depiction. Not not like contains you know troubling scenes or that abuse some of young vulner- abuse yeah, of vulnerable ab- adults. Ab- adults. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was just, again, a tobacco warning. Disney really needs to get its priorities sorted. Yeah, like, uh, I think Mrs. Doubtfire was the same. Quite possibly. I keep looking, and it's like, you would think, oh, maybe sexual innuendo. Yeah. uh, Mild language. Yes. That kind of thing. Sex references. Sex references. Yeah. No, tobacco depiction. Somebody smoking. (laughs) Yeah, alcohol consumption. That's oh, because it, that's that's how he gets fired, isn't it? Because the the bird is smoking a the cigarette. Bird's smoking, yeah, and he's got yeah, a and he quits. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I think in terms of re- the two films that we've watched, in terms of revisiting them, I think I was more. I had a better response. I laughed more at Mrs. Doubtfire than oh, I thought yeah. I was going to. Yeah, like I thought, oh, this is one of those films I found funnier as a kid. Mm. But watching it now, um, and watching. Certainly, Robin Williams carry scenes where you know they've just given him free reign, yeah, to do what he wants. It really, and he was really at his pomp then, wasn't he? Proper that or was... peak, yeah, peak yeah. Robin Williams '93. So, if we're going to advise you to listen to or listen to to watch one of the movies from this month, it would definitely be Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, hundred percent. Don't don't bother with. Return to Oz. Just just keep it in the past. I think that's the best place to keep Return to Oz. Yeah. Okay. Well I think that's Great. us done. And yeah. we will we will return again with two more iconic movies that will hopefully be better than Return to Oz. Yeah. I will redeem myself next time. 